If you're currently treating someone that has cancer, then this podcast is for you. Today, we're going to take you through part one of a series about exercise physiology and cancer, sitting down with Nicole and talking about the pre-treatment phase and how an exercise physiologist can help. Listen on for the great content Nick has to share. Hello and welcome to the Body Track Academy, created by EPs for EPs. We'll cover all things clinical, business and personal growth to help you and the exercise physiology industry reach its potential. If you enjoyed this episode and find something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review and tell your friends to check it out. If you haven't already joined the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up, join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content. Associates, welcome. We have a new EP to pick brains with. Uh, this is Nicole. G'day, how are you going? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on finally. Excellent. So Nicole, just a little bit of um, finding out a little about you. Now, are you a cat or dog person? Dog. Oh, do we have a dog? Yes. We have a little, little, emphasis on the little. Yes. Mini Grudel. Oh, cool. Yeah. Name? Kobe. Oh, cute. Just like Kobe Bryant. My favorite. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, do you have any hidden talents? Um, I can do a rainbow with a soccer ball and a Maradona spin, but that's... What is a rainbow? Where you step over the ball and flick it up over your head. Oh, very not, talented. Not on the run, though. Ooh. Cool. And then the Maradona? Running I think I know. Through. Yep. Step over the ball, yep. flip around, usually go around a person with it. And do these talents provide many highlights in the life of Nicole? <laughs> um, <laughs> Has this been done before to Not in the game. Okay. Usually, usually just a show off before training. Wonderful. And what sport are you playing at the moment? I'm actually playing AFL. So right. it's easy to do those tricks with an with oval the, ball. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Before we get stuck into a bit of a particular area that... Um, uh, that we're going to cover today. Let's give us a broad overview. What's your journey as an EP? How'd you start? Uh, and what's your sort of area of interest? So I did my undergraduate in physical education in New Zealand. Uh, it was basically a sport and exercise science degree. Mm -hmm. So that's where I got a bit of a taste of a few different things. And it wasn't until third year that a lecturer came in and delivered a bit of a taster of her content a year earlier saying, I'm going to teach exercise as medicine as, as a topic. And that really piqued my interest. At that time, I was looking more at sort of general health promotion. And um, that sounded a lot more in-depth and in, in my area of interest. So I followed her a bit more and ended up doing uh, breast cancer specialty with her through my honours. Wow. And worked yeah. in her breast cancer clinic. So she was the one that showed me that exercise could be used as medicine, particularly in the cancer population. Yep. Um, she helped guide that and grow that interest more. And it was her that basically suggested to come over to Brisbane, go mm -hmm. to UQ, do my master's in clinical exercise physiology and continue to pursue that exercise as medicine. Wonderful. So you got that as a student going into a breast cancer clinic. Mm. Wow. That's pretty special. Maybe the Kiwis are ahead of us here. Yeah. Well, very, very advanced. All right. So um, we had a particular topic of interest to talk about today, which I know um, would probably benefit a lot of the associates in our academy. We're going to talk about pre-cancer treatment and how an exercise physiologist fits into that. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yep. Great. So let's just take it right back. What, When you see a client 
And how do you how do you identify them or classify them as, as pre-treatment? What are they saying? Um, what's kind of like the timeline we have there? So if we look at a cancer care continuum as mm-hmm. such, you have pre-treatment, which is between the point of a patient being diagnosed and them starting usually their first treatment. Yeah. So that's the pre-treatment phase. And then down the track, we're going into during treatment, post-treatment, and then it divides off into survivorship or more palliative care. So mm. it, that continuum is exactly that. It continues. It can go back and forth. Yeah. Um, but if we're looking right at the start, we're looking at a patient who's just been diagnosed and either they've taken it upon themselves to come find an exercise physiologist because mm-hmm. they've read that exercise is good mm-hmm. um, or their oncologist is really onto it and they've actually referred them to us and said, let's get you in shape before we start your treatment. Right. What kind of timeline, is that vary as well, depending on the cancer or are we looking like, um, you know, they might have that watchful waiting period and that's a time to act and their treatment might not be for a while. Is that, is that sometimes the case that you get? Yeah, absolutely. So some cancers that are a lot more aggressive, they're going to do biopsies, do tests and they'll be into surgery possibly in that week. Mm. So mm. they're probably clients I'm less likely to see. Yeah. Um, they might, it also depends on how many appointments they've got, but they might be able to get in for a quick consultation to discuss when and where exercise might come in and what that might look like over their next treatment plan. Yep. Um, for a lot of people, exercise isn't necessarily the primary focus. All they want to know is what's happening next. What's the next treatment? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. So that's the priority usually for a lot of them. Um, those who have a really supportive oncologist supporting exercise will get them in and say, look, we've got this time now, like you said, a watchful waiting period. Yeah. Someone perhaps yeah. with prostate cancer where yep. they're going, yep, we don't need to do surgery just yet. Um, but hey, there's another aspects of your life or there could be part of your treatment, which would benefit from you being a little bit stronger, mm. a little bit more fit, um, mental health wise as well. We can help a lot with exercise. Mm. So yeah, totally right. Depends on the exercise, uh, sorry, on the cancer type and mm. the cancer progression. Yeah, for sure. And just as a, a little side note here, we will cover just pre-treatment today and, and in future podcasts, we're going to talk about the other areas of the cancer continuum and how an EP fits into that. So uh, let's go down, say someone, how does your approach different? How is your approach different for someone, say, who is in a watchful waiting period to someone who knows when their treatment is going to start. Is there any major differences that you do in your practice for for that kind of patient? Yep. So in that initial assessment, the first thing we want to find out is what is the planned treatment Mm -hmm. and how soon is it? So each type of treatment, whether it's surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, immunotherapy, there's all different types and they all have different outcomes and different ways to prepare for it. So if we're looking at someone who's going in for surgery, again, depends on what type of surgery, um, we want to prepare their body to recover better on the, out, on, the, on the other side of it. Yeah, and there's awesome evidence to show that. It's sort of mm-hmm. like I, I almost compare it to um, your prehab of even like a, it's, let's say you're having a, a joint replacement. Mm, absolutely. You, you, you see that, that difference of um, prehab and the outcomes, the, the reduction in their, in their muscle mass or in their function is, is far greatly reduced. Mm-hmm. If you do that prehab. So I'm guessing is it similar with cancer, yep. cancer camp and, and that pre- Absolutely. Yep. So if I give you the example of say a breast cancer, mm-hmm. most often we see women having surgery first. Mm. Um, and if we look at general population, shoulder range of motion isn't great in a lot of people. Yeah. Let yeah. alone someone who might be a little, little bit older or might have kids and carrying babies around or mm. just generally at an office desk and have poorer posture anyway. Yep. They might struggle to actually get into certain positions prior to it, even having surgery. Mm. So if their shoulder range of motion is limited already, 
and they're then expected to have surgery, your range of motion could worsen again afterwards. So making sure that they've actually got a good range before Definitely. they go into surgery, they've got yep. good strength, good shoulder mechanics, and then it gives us better, better outcomes on the other side as well. Perfect. All right. So let's go, let's take it for all the listeners out there. Let's, um, we do have a few that are in university or first year practice and even out on their own. What are some key uh, questions that you're asking in your initial assessment for that pre-treatment phase at the moment mm-hmm. uh, that we want to teach and let everyone else know in, of, of, in the academy of what, what could be um, an ideal assessment look like? What are the questions you're asking? What are the measures that you're looking at too? Mm-hmm. So it's not too different from, I suppose, a general initial assessment. Yep. You want to know at the same subjective history, mm-hmm. what's going on in the past, are there any other conditions we need to be aware of and need to be considering in their pre-treatment phase? Um, is there any exercise they're already doing? What are they like at the moment? Is there mm-hmm. any other ways we can tie in some movements or some activities into their week to optimise their pre-treatment phase? Um, and same sort of thing, what do they what do they enjoy? Yep, um, sure. If it's, for example, breast cancer, which I see a lot of, we're looking at, I'll actually measure shoulder range of motion. Yep. So they know what their baseline is. Good outcome measure. Yep. yep. We're going to then try to get back to that post-surgery, mm-hmm. um, or especially after radiation, which can also shorten and reduce range of motion. Um, another example, maybe if it's pelvic floor, we're looking at prostate cancer. Yep. Um, I can't physically assess pelvic floor. Yeah, that's a com- common thing that we hear is we, we have heaps of patients mm. who want us to assess their pelvic floor. How do, how do we do it as EPs if we can't examine? So usually I'll refer on to a pelvic floor physio. Yep. Uh, so they can actually get an ultrasound and measure the strength and the endurance of pelvic floor. Yep. And Perfect. they're really important in that post-treatment or even, yeah, post-treatment phase after mm. surgery, mm. Um, working with a pelvic floor physio. Holistic get, care 101. Hey? Absolutely. Need yep. the team, need the care. Yep. yep. Um, we can get a little bit of an idea through some deep core TA works. Often mm. we see uh, pelvic floor co-contraction or even just getting feedback from the, from the client. Do mm. you feel like you're getting a lift feeling sensation there as well? Yep. But if you want gold standard, I would refer to a pelvic floor physio to know exactly what's going on. Yep. Okay. Um, any red flags, any contraindications, things that a, a, a patient may have said to you mm-hmm. um, that an EP should be aware of when they're in that pre-treatment phase? Ooh, good question. I suppose the red flags would be similar to anything else you'd pick up on a normal initial assessment as well. Any other um, history with um, any other conditions, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, heart um, or any other major health sides that we need to be conscious of. Usually yep. they're picked up by an oncologist beforehand. Yeah, so you've got that affect, info. Yeah, yeah it's going to affect sure. their treatment. Yeah. Um, I suppose that period beforehand as well, it's a really good idea to see how committed that person is to having exercise part of their treatment pathway as well. Mm. So it's a nice way to get to know a patient before they go through quite an extensive treatment journey. Yep. Um, I don't like using the word journey because it's not the most enjoyable process <laughs> that you have to go through. Yep, I suppose sure. one of the best analogies that I've been given for this pre-treatment phase or con- continuum of care is for a marathon, you would prepare both physically and mentally. Mm. Yep. So they mm. often talk about cancer treatment is running a marathon. It's a long, long process. Yep. Some longer than others, some harder for others, depending on, on treatment types. Um, but in the same way, you want to prepare that patient, both physically and mentally, for that upcoming marathon, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So anything that might make that journey harder for them, um, any other social factors at home, um, if there's any issues with support um, and family, mm. uh, financial barriers, even though we are looking more at exercise, we've got that 
Uh, so I was privileged to really get to know a person and, and scope and find out what else might affect this marathon yes. that they're going to go through. Yeah, for sure. And I think you've touched nicely on there with the biopsychosocial model as we, we integrate with a lot of our, our, our clients here, regardless of, of condition. It's a, it's a big fundamental part. And I want to tap onto that a little bit more. So we've sort of talked about the nitty gritty stuff of what questions you might ask and assessments that's subjective are the objective things that, that you might want to look at. Um, your example being shoulder range of motion. Um, but also I, I like the way that you, I, th I think the thing that happens in the next phase is we think, Ooh, it's a cancer client. We have to do all these other little tests. We have to do all these other outcome measures. It's different, but really when it comes down to it, it's like any other chronic condition. And it's exactly what you've said, Nick is it's treating them the same as you would with any other condition with your appropriate outcome measures. There's a few different little things you might want to look out for. Um, but in that pre-treatment, the whole idea is to have them getting stronger, getting more mobile, fitter for when they go through that phase of, of treatment, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah. And there's probably something I just realized I've forgotten in that assessment is mm. I'll often, if they're okay with it, actually measure body comp. Yep. So yep, definitely. muscle yeah. mass quantity is what I'm usually looking at mm -hmm. um, to make sure that during treatment, we can at the very least maintain or watch if there is any decline, how much has changed. So yep. again, getting the baseline measure. And also I'll use quite a few questionnaires for um, assessing distress or psychological factors. Any go-tos that you use? Um, I use the distress thermometer. Yep. So um, that's an easy one for a quick visual and to go through and flag other areas of life which might be causing stress. Wonderful, yep. Um, yep. And we can sort of screen early on if there's any sort of anxiety or depression mm. symptoms that we need to be aware of. Mm -hmm. um, fatigue. I'll usually use a baseline one, a measure again to see where they're at the moment, knowing likely down the track we're going to have some cancer-related fatigue yeah. coming into it as well. Yeah. So again, so we've got baseline measures so they can compare back to. For sure. So we, as I was alluding to before, the biopsychosocial model, we've tapped into, I guess, stepping through an assessment. And for the listeners out there, we hope you get some good info about how you can um, approach that. Uh, the psychological state of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the big component. Yeah in all of it. Um, and again, across all conditions we see, it, it's going to be a fundamental part. But this is a, as you said, a marathon, not a journey, which is a misconceived word, but mm. a marathon for them. And there are going to be things that are going to change for them. How, or what techniques do you use, not just using questionnaires and stuff, but how do you as an EP support them through that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Actually, that pre-treatment phase is a really critical time to let that patient know that as specialists in oncology and mm. exercise oncology, we know more than just exercise. Yeah. So yeah. we might make a bit of an exercise plan, but it's really taking the time to listen to that person to find out more about what's meaningful to them in their life mm -hmm. and how else we might better help them through this, this marathon. Yeah. So in that initial phase, once they get diagnosed, they usually go to a three to four hour sit down at the hospital a slideshow where they get run through everything from parking to their cancer type to different types of treatment to how they might feel, all those things. So it's a massive inundation. Massive information session. Yeah. yeah. Imagine just being told you've got cancer and then you've got then three you hours to sit there yeah, and try to digest it all. Yeah. So we also can go through some of the information again. Mm. We are the experts in how other aspects of life are influenced by their cancer diagnosis as well. Mm. So we can share, within our scope, we can share information, we can reinforce, we can answer questions in that time. Often as well, um, I know a lot of the oncologists that are referring to me. So even just knowing their oncologist by name, um, understanding who else they might be seeing, yep. 
clarifying any questions they've got or even often it's clarifying what they've read online. Yeah. Oh, I've read this. Do yeah. I need to be eating it's... this or should I, I've read that I should be doing this too. Does that help? Um, if Doc... I don't know, I'll refer. Yeah. Dr. Google always yes. we're trying to, trying yep. to balance with Dr. Google. That's right. <laughs> um, you mentioned before, like I referred on to physio often yep. in that pre-treatment phase as well. I will let them know about other referral pathways that I have up my sleeve. Let them know that I work with a group of oncology allied health that I've created, that I've mm. trusted now. Yeah. Um, and that I have those networks at any stage or time. Yeah. So we might talk about things that we might see come up that we might expect to come later on in treatment or mm. may do prepare. Um, and sometimes it might be a case of referring to a dietitian or having a referral to a psychologist up my sleeve and letting them know if you need feel the need. Yeah. You know, please have those conversations with me as well. Yeah. So we can be a soundboard. Fantastic. I think a, a, a good analogy or a good thought process if we go along that marathon uh, aspect, part of the marathon is you take gels, mm -hmm. water stations, yep. aid stations, uh, first aid. I often see it as um, instead of just, and as you beautifully demonstrated in, in how you, your practice is for, for a, a cancer client, is exercise is sort of the, the water station that you might get every I don't know, 5K in a run, yep. isn't it? It's not, here's some exercises, this will, this will, this will be great, continue doing this. The, the, the time in between those water stations is everything else part of that model, isn't mm -hmm. it? The psychological, the social support, the networks and the team that you have. Um, the, uh, almost thinking like the gels that you might take yeah. could be the allied health that yeah. you are collaborating with, Love isn't it? it? Yeah. So that's the way I, I sort of see it. And it's a really good journey for um, all the uh, associates out there to think if you're just trying to do it with exercise, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. You need to consider and be very holistic in your healthcare and know your boundaries too. Know where you stand with what exercises and support you can provide. But as you said, Nick, um, uh, physiotherapy referrals, other allied health referrals, psychology, they all come part of it. And I, I would have a be proud of, of, of connecting those people together and cl managing your client through it mm. to get them through that, that marathon. Um, I think that's the big difference that we can provide as yeah. EPs. And it's, it's beneficial for the client as well as for me. Yeah. So I'm always learning mm. about other aspects and other avenues and how I can tie in parts into my education sessions as well. I'll learn from the dietitians. I'll, you know, ask them questions all the time as well. Yeah. Um, and lymphedema specialists, whoever I might be working with. Correct. So getting bits of information that I can share with a patient and, and then, when I go, look, this is beyond my scope now. Mm. We've got to we've got to make sure you're in. You got the best care and the best holistic care. Yep. This is why I work with a team of other specialists as well. Perfect. Um, couple more questions. Mm -hmm. This is obviously taking a big toll on them. Yep. But we also have a big toll on ourselves as practitioners. There's a thing that we know and we talk about often as a team is practitioner fatigue because, guys, we're seeing clients who are going through some some life changing aspects here with their health and their well being. Uh, and because you see them regularly, you become not just an exercise specialist, but also tap into a little bit of the psychology, uh, the psychologist for them as well and that support. Take me through a bit of a journey for yourself, Nick, about how you manage that. What, um, what do you do for yourself and sort of protecting yourself in a way as a practitioner? Yeah. Because this can be some really heavy stuff and yep. you can form connections and that's going to take a toll on you. Yeah. No, that's a good question. Um, and to be honest, I probably haven't had 
as many cancer patients that have gone into palliative care. Yep. A lot of them have had really good outcomes. Yeah. Um, and the improving treatments does help that. But I have had few, um, a few patients who have passed away, mm. which is definitely a challenge. Mm. Um, but I worked in, you know, in a really supportive team and caught up with other practitioners um, who had worked with that patient as well. Um, I also readily access psychological help as well. So um, I've got a psychologist that I can see and tap into when I feel the need that I'm not quite coping myself. Yep. Um, which I think is really important and to have those open conversations with patients as well mm. um, because it is, it, it's challenging um, outcomes sometimes. We, we can't predict the outcome and we want the best for everyone. Yep. Um, and I suppose the thing as well is even though oncology is my field of expertise, I don't see 100% oncology clients. Yeah, um, have the mix. Yeah, yeah we spoke yeah. about having, um, you know, probably just under about under half at the moment for me, which is fantastic. I get to see the, the number of people that I'd, I want to help. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about balancing other, other client load as well and having a bit of a mixture. But when we get those more challenging cases is to not try to deal with it by myself. Yeah, So um, having other oncology experts and even just managers and mentors at work mm. to talk through mm. um, cases about or let them know when I'm going, this is getting a little bit harder than I expected. Yeah. What can we do? And often talking does just help. Yeah. Um, but I've definitely learned in the last two years, um, I can't do everything by myself. <laughs> and, you know, tapping into sometimes a psychologist like that was really yep. helpful. Yeah. And thanks so much for sharing that because that's a, that's a really key message. We know that there's a lot of EPs that will be working by, by themselves in a gym space. And they're going to approach, they're going to have clients that you have this, and it might, might not just be cancer clients. Mm. It could be anything that they've, um, taken the, the clients, um, progress in a condition and you have to take that on as a practitioner. That is fatigue. The most important thing and message from that as a practitioner's point of view is, is seeking help and making sure you have some kind of network out there. Um, I think that's, it's so, so important because, you know, our team here and, and, and the clients will see them as almost like a pedestal. They, they yeah. look up to them. They see they know everything about it. And they're strong. They, you know, nothing defeats them. But we're people too. Mm-hmm. We have emotions. We yeah. have have those things um, and it can take a bit of a toll. So that's a, a really key message. And thanks for sharing with that, Nick. All right. So uh, we've kind of covered the, the pre-treatment phase. Um, we're going to obviously tackle into the, uh, the cancer continuum. Mm-hmm. What can we expect in our next chat just give us a little insight yeah, a little, taster. little little taste little teaser yep yep well i suppose the tail end that we haven't quite mentioned on that pre-treatment is not only are we preparing them for you know greater outcomes but we often even see that this pre-treatment phase can result in quicker recovery so shorter hospital stays as well yep um and preparing them both physically and mentally for that next pathway for that treatment phase mm. so like i said treatment can be different we've got surgery radiation chemo immunotherapy so it's getting them ready for that next phase. And that dose and frequency and duration of what of that next phase is going to be different for everyone. Yeah. So it's getting them in the best physical shape, but also knowing that side effects of treatment is inevitable. Yeah. Okay. There's so sure. many different side effects that mm. we see um, from both the cancer and its treatments. Mm. So exercise plays an incredible role in mitigating, reducing the effects the side effects severity yep. can't prevent them necessarily from happening at all, but we can definitely help reduce the severity of them and ensure that that person person can continue doing 
part of what they want to keep doing. It might be work, mm. might be raising a family, whatever it is. That's where excise then comes in. So in our next chat, we can talk more specifically about more specific side effects. Yep. Um, right. And what exercise actually does. What's the mechanism of action that exercise does to, you know, help reduce fatigue, mm. um, help manage lymphedema, yep. help um, maintain muscle mass, all those different side effects. And some are a little bit more uh, straightforward than others, but yep. some have got some pretty cool research coming through as to why exercise plays such an important role. Fantastic. Any um, any go-to sites, websites, uh, or, or professional development for our associates to look into for upskilling in, in cancer care? Yeah, good question. Um, I have done the XMed course by Procormi. Yep. Would highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, very comprehensive and very up-to-date with all the current literature. Perfect. So a really good course there. Um, and I'm also frequently visiting the Peter Mac website um, and the Macmillan Centre in the UK. So Peter Mac's in... Um, Melbourne, I think, Melbourne or Sydney. Um, and they're leading the field of research mm. and they've got a lot of resources online for both practitioners and patients. Perfect. Really easy to digest. Yep. We'll put that in the footnotes for um, uh, when you're getting onto the podcast as well. So it's an easy access and also through our academy. Um, all right, Nick, final take-home points. If you had to pick two or three final take-home points for our associates, um, well, what would you say? I would say... Tell anyone and everyone you know that exercise is good at any stage of anything. <laughs> good. <laughs> um, Spread it. <laughs> we often yeah, underestimate that prehab phase and we talk about you know, not parking the ambulance at the bottom of the hill, trying to get someone once they've either gone too far or declined too much or lost too much function. Let's try and back up that ambulance, back up the top there, work mm. in that preventative phase, mm. spread the word about what exercise can do for people. Um, yes, pre-treatment for cancer, but pre-treatment for many things. Yeah. If you're starting to get those niggles or the body's telling you or the doctor's telling you that something's changing and we need need to make change, do it early. So much easier to do it early. Great tip. Excellent. All right. Well, I hope to see you doing the Maradona spin or the... (laughs) Rainbow. Rainbow. Rainbow soon. Uh, And we are looking forward to catching up again when we talk into the next phase of the cancer continuum. Listen out for it. And as always, give us a rate. Uh, if you like today's chat uh, and watch out for more coming your way. Thank you very much, Nick. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Body Track Academy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and found something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review and tell your friends to check it out. If you're not already in the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up. Join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content.